Mandalorian podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial podcast for the Outer Rim. My name is Matt, and joining me in the co-pilot seat is Pete. Hello, the Pete. What up, all my Mandos and Mandats, here today to talk to you about what we know, what I know a little bit more about season two so far, uh, about the Disney gallery uh, features first one hit on Monday. We have another one coming Friday, and that'll be the schedule from there on out. And a little bit of uh, Star Star Wars potpourri. Indeed, Pete. Here we are in the in the Jabba's palace like afterglow of May the Fourth. Uh, I know over on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we've been talking some of the Marvel Disney Plus stuff uh, schedules a tatter. Uh, due to you know, for those upcoming shows, due to coronavirus affecting the production. Uh, however, Pete, looking to Mandalorian season two, a slightly more optimistic outlook. The original schedule was presumably another eight episodes that were originally scheduled for October 2020. Pete, are they going to be able to meet that? Where was filming interrupted? Have they even begun? They have completely filmed. They wrapped on March 8th. They began in October of 2019, so no filming was interrupted. They are notoriously secret about uh, special effects and the like, Uh, so no word there like everybody else what they can do. They're doing from home. Uh, but they would appear to be on schedule for October, if not maybe sooner, given that Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, the, the first Marvel MCU TV from the film side characters. Remember, we've got the, the Marvel TV that Matt and I and Fantastic Geek have, have done. We're the only podcast to do every single show, every episode to this point, um, finishing up. And then, uh, you know, you wonder, uh, could Mandalorian, if they're not meeting their announced date of August, maybe slide in a little earlier there, give them uh, relief? I don't know much about the nitty gritty of special effects, but I will say this. If a Star Trek Discovery or similar show can finish filming in, you know, January, February, March, and still meet a beginning release date. You know, the, the, the earliest episodes being released within six or eight months. Uh, and then you have, you know, obviously the week-to-week rollout to give you extra time for for the latest of episodes. But if that's the case for, again, I'll use Star Trek Discovery as something that's probably similarly special effects driven, uh, similar to Mandalorian. Surely the episode that they started filming in, in October... 2019 whatever was being filmed before thanksgiving in november 2019 surely the special effects music sounds etc must be done at this point or in the home stretch even if they're doing it out of order like i feel like we can feel good that october or as you say if needed earlier they've got to be able to hit that date turn 12 months into 10 into nine i mean one would hope that it's enough lead-in time for season two I mean, as big budget a show as it is, it is a surprisingly small production given the amount of people. Uh, so you hope that they could find a way. I mean, we're going to have to get new content in there somewhere, Matt. There are the things that are canned. Uh, you know, they just dropped the uh, Netflix, dropped the Space Force 
trailer that's going to be coming at the end of the month. Really looking forward to that with Steve Carell. Um, and then we're going to, at some point, unless they figure out some kind of clever solutions, you know, we we had All Rise on CBS do the first remote, uh, you know, Zoom, Google Meets type of episode. I, I don't think we're going to see, you know, a, an episode where Mando and Kara and Grief Karga and the child are on four different screens on different parts of the ship or anything like that. Although, you know, I'm ready to pitch that in the room. Mando, I'm trapped in a Southern California mansion <laughs> bought with Rocky Four money. Oh no, I can't make it to the cantina today. Right. I mean, could could be fun. But uh, with what we know of their schedule and now, you know, we've started to hear some dribs and drabs of uh, who will show up in season two beyond our regulars, of course, of Pedro Pascal Gina Carano, Carl Weathers, and the uh, real star of the show, The Child. Indeed. Well, talking about people in front of the camera, it revealed in the recent days and the recent weeks that, uh, I guess, Pete, top of the tops would be Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano. Uh, that had a huge impact when it was announced. More under and the And very radar. rare, too, if I can just interject, that someone would campaign so publicly for a role and then get it. it 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 smells a little matt and i'm fine with the casting it, it's dream casting as far as i'm concerned and you know going back with rosario dawson as we do to all of the marvel netflix shows uh i think really a, a logical leap for her to play that role if we can just get her into star trek now as a klingon she's wanted to do that for years as well she's a big trekkie um but that that she got this role that they announced it i was very surprised yeah uh as am i and i mean one certainly wonders um farther in the future there's there's another star wars tv show uh this one to be showrun by leslie headland recently of russian doll uh apparently it will have a female lead uh i think some people some people pejoratively, some people just for the for the shorthand of it have kind of called it like the female Star Wars show. Um, certainly, I, I think you and I both welcome a Star Wars show with a female lead. Could could it be that we know who that lead is and that it's going to be Ahsoka Tano and Rosario Dawson and this is all kind of, you know, backdoor pilot, backdoor casting, that kind of thing. You know, who can say at this point? Certainly not us. Or at least certainly not me. I don't know. Spoiler Pete. <laughs> Well, uh, we have one other guest publicly named in uh, Michael Bean will be playing a bounty hunter. Smells to me, Matt, like we might be getting a variation of the bounty hunter crew we saw in the really underrated uh, sixth episode um, for season one. And, uh, you know, that you would have an all time sci fi guy in Michael Bean, you know, Terminator, aliens show up there, and I'm sure he's just going to chew it up. Really looking forward to that. I can tell you I have confirmed knowledge of one other big guest. I cannot tell you the name. I'm actually not allowed to tell you the name. I can tell you the gender. Uh, fire away. I'll take what I can get. This is a female 
guest star that uh, will be playing a character somehow connected to the Mandalorian's past. Ooh, well, certainly look forward to to that. Um, Pete, I'm glad that we did not do this podcast on May the 4th, you know, maybe, maybe dinner time around then, whatever it might be, uh, when we would have recorded it, maybe the afternoon, uh, because May the 4th was a bounty hunter, a bounty of, uh, announcements, particularly for Mandalorian season two, um, moving from semi-confirmed to confirmed to, uh, to brand new, uh, on the director list. Rick Famuyuka, Dave Filoni, and John Favreau—all of these either kind of assumed or whispered about, or unofficially confirmed—as uh, well as Carl Weathers that had been mentioned back at the the presser last September, October. Mm-hmm. Uh, but added to the list, Robert Rodriguez, he of you know from *Dust Till Dawn* and a bunch of other things, *Spy Kids*, etc., and Ant-Man director Peyton Reed. That is quite a crew of fellows, isn't it? It is. I'm particularly excited about the Robert Rodriguez one. I hope that winds up being super gory. You know, some of his grindhouse stuff is is just so over the top and, you know, never takes itself too seriously. Um, I believe he's worked with Michael Bean before. No, Michael Bean, the the trailer on the Grindhouse movie, that was Eli Roth. That was the Thanksgiving one. Well, let's get Eli Roth directing a uh, season three Mandalorian episode while we're at it. Let's we'll get a horror uh, genre uh, one in there. But I, I think to a person, that list of directors, again, diverse. I, you know, one thing I, I wish we knew publicly, how about a female director here or there? I mean, we, we had two in season one, obviously Deborah Chow, uh, you know, shepherding the Obi-Wan show through development and uh, due to direct all of those, but it's undergone some, some changes as far as length. Um, and then uh, Bryce Dallas Howard in season one, uh, not confirmed here, We'll just have to wait and see. It, it is a little conspicuous in absence that particularly the same week that uh, Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian, which, which we'll uh, talk mm-hmm. about shortly, that came out and, and, you know, that it was this great look at this diverse bunch of directors, you know, certainly racial diversity amongst the directors from Mandalorian season two. But uh, Pete, I guess they... I guess in Deborah Chow and Bryce Dallas Howard, that's it for girls who like Star Wars and who also direct. I mean, sarcasm aside, like you couldn't find another lady who'd like to direct maybe the hottest show on TV right now. Yeah, it it does seem conspicuous by its absence. We're going to hope that perhaps behind the scenes, maybe not public. Uh, I mean, obviously it's filmed. I I don't know why you wouldn't put it out there. We don't know if any of these directors um, doubled up or not, Uh, but it is what it is. Now, obviously there's a big uh, absence there, uh, particularly in what he provided both with character and director in Taika Waititi, but uh, he's got a little bit more going on right now. Yes, his first brand new un, unplanned project post-Oscar. So yes, he still has a couple things coming out uh, ahead. But the first thing he used his Oscar clout to do was to co-write and to direct 
uh, an upcoming Star Wars movie, uh, which I think immediately, regardless of where you were on the sequels, on the prequels, on this, like Taika Waititi doing a Star Wars movie, yes, that just about mm. feels right. Oscar-winning uh, writer, of course, and Pete, his writing partner, somebody who's no stranger to Oscar nominations. Yes, that Christy Wilson Carnes who wrote 1917. So, you know, it, it was long rumored even before the end of award season, but that you have that talent behind a Star Wars movie now. Uh, I know Matt is very gun shy about, you know, uh, who makes it through the Star <laughs> Wars uh, directorial and, and writing process, I see no trouble ahead for this pair. Obviously, this is going to come out post Thor 4, uh, and Taika Waititi has never been busier, never had more clout at this point, like you said, post Oscar. I say you give him all the weird animatronic alien puppet characters, uh, don't have any uh, human protagonists, Truthfully, I'd like this to be like a Jabba's palace. You know, let, let's tell the story of Jabba and this spice uh, uh, shipment that, that gets dumped, that gets Han in hot water. But don't make it a Han. Don't make it a Lando story. They, they come into the story. They go out of the story. They, they, they dump their spice. They, they get in hot water. But, you know, make it all about the weird aliens, funny accents. Make sure Taika is, is voicing somebody. No sarcasm here. I think it will be, you know, it, it, it'll be worth it for kind of, you know, close watchers of Hollywood, of Disney, of Star Wars. You know, keep an eye out on news about this movie. If you see Taika Waititi sending out veiled tweets about, you know, stifled creative voice, much as uh, Doctor Strange director Scott Derrickson did while he was in pre-production for Doctor Strange 2. Then like six weeks later, he left the production. Uh, if you see things like that, be a little concerned. If all of a sudden you say, Taika and, and uh, Christy, they have a really great story, but we're bringing in um, we're bringing in the, uh, the, the endgame writers. They're going to do a polish just to kind of improve things. That too, I mean... Definitely a great writing pair that did that did Endgame and all the Captain America movies and whatnot. But the minute there's a whole lot of um, meddling with this or there's signs of it, I would start to say, here we go again with modern Star Wars where most of these movies have been hits, have been I've enjoyed, etc. But there's something where they just can't let it stew and cook on its own. Somebody's got to keep opening that oven and taking a look and then somebody else comes in and takes a look and somebody else pokes it and before you know it, you say... Where is the original version? Would that have been cooler? I don't know. Not going to happen, Matt. Not going to happen. As far as other content right now, uh, I mean, it's it's not back burner. It's not, uh, you know, in your face. But the Clone Wars just finished up. I have two more to watch. I, I got to admit, you know, the, the first one I was not into the very first episode of this final seventh season. Um all right, it's a clone story, but no Jedi. You know, there there weren't a lot of uh, you know legacy holdover characters. They they incorporated them in in the next couple episodes. Great, it slogged for me a little bit in the middle. Um, but I have two left, and I really really enjoy uh, what they've been doing in these last couple. 
Um, one storyline I never got, I always wanted. We never got Yoda and the Wookiees. How did Yoda wind up on Kashyyyk and everything like that? But other than that, they're going right up to episode three, um, which I I hadn't really expected they would do particularly as close as they're doing it. Uh, so if you haven't checked out Clone Wars, uh, that seventh season on Disney Plus, check it out. Not for everybody. Uh, I've been cautioning some people who, you know, had enjoyed the show in the past that, you know, it, it's it's a little bit different. They've, you know, that momentum after the, the fifth season with the wasn't a cancellation. They just flat out stopped on Cartoon Network. It was great to get a sixth season on on Netflix. Very different in terms of tone from the other seasons. And then this one is a little bit of a departure as well, but would definitely urge uh, people in a star Wars to check it out, looking for content now, particularly because of COVID-19. And certainly obviously now no longer the chronological release endpoint for Ahsoka Tano. Right. Again, showing up in Mandalorian season two, the, the, the largest focus of our well, discussion Rebels today. too, remember, I just meant in terms of like, if you've been watching this as it's been released, this is not the end of the line. There's more Ahsoka coming uh, October or sooner. I know we kicked around the, the dates earlier, but uh, you know, it just, Pete, it's, it's, it's the one tail feeding into the other. It's Joseph Campbell. It's, it's, <laughs> it's the man of a thousand faces, etc. Yes. So in regards to the Disney gallery Mandalorian episodes, again, the first one out now one due on Friday, uh, not really enough to warrant a podcast for each. They're cute. They're, they're insidey, but at the same time, not overwhelmingly. So, so as that finishes up its run, we'll be bringing in an episode and, and feed this Mandalorian, uh, beast as we will yeah it was certainly a pleasant watch monday morning um it was light and fluffy i feel like it lacked any deep insight it almost pete and you know i love all the disney stuff here but i feel like it kind of had a certain you know disney candy clear coat layer to it where it's like no no guys don't talk about the different aspect ratios that you used for your lenses why don't you instead talk about how like star wars is an inspiration that would be a lot better you know i think of all the times there's been you know this behind the scenes content like you know on the dvd on the second disc director's commentary track stuff like that that really digs deep and sometimes is highly technical uh, certainly unsurpassed by the behind-the-scenes stuff for Lord of the Rings, for example. This was far from it. It was just like, and now let's cut to a montage of cool things from Mandalorian. <laughs> All right, back to the round table. Guys, what's it like to inspire people with inspiration? It's like, okay. That's <laughs> smooth, what directors smooth do. enough. You know, again, there's there's this need for content um it it's harmless enough it it is in, in no need must see um and I, I think that's important for listeners and and viewers to know but again it's it's something to check out and you know i, I want to see like Werner Herzog i i would like to see the baby now i i want if he doesn't get his own episode that's going to be a letdown um we know that they've done the directors they're going to do the cast okay you know i'm sure they'll do an effects one there better be one all about the child. There had better be, at one point in these Disney Gallery, the Mandalorian uh, episodes, 
I want to have the story told to me, and then I want to see uh, ill-shot footage of Werner Herzog <laughs> ripping into the director, the producers, saying, you will not take away this puppet. You will not Deborah replace Chow it with computers. Does, does recount the story. I know that much. I, I, I want that story recounted. I want to see footage of it. Um, <laughs> and then I also want to see the footage where he, apparently there, there's a moment where he, um, he's, he starts talking to the child puppet, directing yes. the child as to what to yeah. do. I want to see footage of that where this guy just is so in the moment. Act. Act, baby. And then you should look Emote. here. Feel it with your soul, child. You know, I want to see. That's the stuff I want to see. Not, you know, like, I always loved Star Wars as a kid. And I never thought that I would get a chance because people... I would look in the mirror and say, is Star Wars for me? And then I found it is. And now I made a Star Wars show. Like, that's really great. Well, but I, I want to see Werner, Werner Herzog ripping with, into a puppet. I fell asleep at dinner with my dad and George Lucas and Kurosawa in Japan when I was five. Yeah, which is a cool anecdote. But how about instead right. you tell me what was it like working with, uh, you know, what was it like working with, uh, John Wayne's grand grandson, Brendan Wayne, right. and Latif right. Crowder, who were the only two people. What was it like introducing uh, Cara Dune? Okay, and now maybe that's going to come in the character episode, and and you know they'll they'll have stuff from the set and and her talking about doing that. But yeah, I, I think we can agree as as fans, um, as people that look at it critically, who enjoy it still that we, we might've seen some, some other things. It, it has a certain PR polish to it. I get it completely. Um, but you know, hopefully as we go on, we'll, we'll hit some of these other things. We, we definitely want to see Uh fantastic geek schedule, Matt, uh, going forward, you know, we're waiting on the Mandalorian, but we got some other things coming up. We do. Of course, uh, come the end of the month is the, the triumphant return of agents of shield that, uh, that Wednesday, May 27th, which will be here before we know it, uh, in the interim, all sorts of little audio goodies along the way. But Pete, a physical goodie coming on that May 27th podcast. To celebrate and keeping it in the Star Wars family as the Marvel TV mothership, the fantastic geek mothership, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., finishes up its seventh and final season. We are giving away a digital download code to Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. All it takes to enter for that raffle is to leave a uh, review on Apple Podcasts, uh, and you will be entered into that. You can leave up to 19 and pretty soon 20 reviews across our feeds and get that many entries if you so desire. Absolutely, and that support always appreciated. Helps keep the uh, Fantastic Geek name out there. Lets new people find it, old people circle back, etc. And of course, the whole podcast enterprise, particularly in these in these strange times, made possible by the people who go to Patreon.com/slash Fantastic Geek and lend their hand as we uh, still have those ongoing bandwidth and storage costs, and uh, so proud to continue to be listener supported. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast contents. Definitely some Star Wars goodies on there. Just takes a dollar to get you in that door. Can't contribute right now. Again, we understand that's where helping us out on the Apple podcast reviews uh, does an immeasurable job. 
indeed. So I know on our radar in the near future, Pete, over on the Marvel Movie Podcast feed, of course, simulcast on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we'll be talking about the new revised future for Marvel movies. So uh, always in motion the future is to coin a completely original phrase. Uh, For now, though, Pete, let's find out how people can be in touch with you to talk Star Wars, to talk Marvel, to talk geeky goodness. You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-11,302. Followers can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the P, with the H, all one word. Like it today. Well, certainly we will update our Star Wars Mandalorian feed as news warrants and can't wait to dig into Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff in the future. For now, I will say adios to all the listeners and give you, Pete, the final word. Where's my jetpack?